0: Hello, friends. I have a question for you in this podcast. Quite simple. Are you a trustworthy disciple-maker? Meaning it doesn't matter where your discipleship context is. You could be a formalized biblical counselor, high-end formalized counseling, or you could be a wonderful parent who is trying to disciple their child You can be a friend in a coffee shop or a friend in a local church, but you're interacting relationally with another person. The big question that I want to talk about in this podcast, are you you a trustworthy disciple maker? And what I mean by that and what I'm getting at is that in order to be a good disciple maker, you have to build an environment of grace. You have to build a context of trust to where a person is willing to reveal to you their valuable treasures, their secrets it's their vulnerabilities. I talk about this sometimes when I'm interacting with small group leaders, doing small group leader training. A small group uh, context uh, many times is a context where uh, the leader wants sanctification to happen. He wants people to be self-disclosing, honest, transparent, want to have reciprocal relationships where people are, are sharing things in their lives so that they can iron, sharpen, iron that kind of thing. What a small group leader needs to understand is that before you can ever get to that place of wonderful relationships interacting with each other is that you have to create a context where people are willing to be self-disclosing. Everybody that comes to the small group is just not going to be happy about sharing whatever's in their life. And the reason for that is is because there are two questions that need to be answered. The first question is can I trust you? Can you steward my truth? If you want me to be vulnerable, you want me to be honest with you, you want me to be transparent, Are you a trustworthy person? And that's why I led the podcast this way. This is the big question that I want you to think through in whatever discipleship context that you have going on in your life. Are you a trustworthy disciple maker? Meaning people do want to self-disclose. People do want to tell you what's going on in their lives. Maybe things that they wouldn't uh, share or tell other people. And so the first question that the small group person is asking the small group leader is, can I trust you? And then the second question that follows that Do you have the competency to walk me through whatever it is that I'm sharing with you? Those are two incredibly vital questions that every small group leader needs to know and any other person who's doing disciple making. If you want someone to be honest with you, then you have to be a trusted source. You have to be a trusted disciple maker. And I'm not going to deal so much with the competency aspect in this podcast, though I will touch on it at a couple of points. But the truth is, you do have to have a level of competency because there's really no point in a person self-disclosing to you if you don't have the biblical competence to walk them through it. But in this podcast I just want to deal with the first aspect. Are you a trustworthy disciple maker? The title of the podcast will give you a clue as to where I'm going. Here it is. Every person who withholds the truth is not lying. There are people that there are people that will come to you for your help or maybe you will go to them and try to build that relational bridge to where they're communicating with you in a self-disclosing way, and they are tentative about spilling the beans. They're attentive about telling you the things that you would need to know in order for you to help with them. My point in this podcast is every person who withholds the facts about themselves is not lying. Now, if you want to read this podcast, I want you to. You can go on our website, rickthomas.net. You can read everything that I'm sharing with you. Plus, there are 20 20-something links embedded inside this 2,000-word article. You can spend days on this article just like all the rest of ours. I have also have a, a short one-minute video here uh, that will help clarify some of what I'm sharing with you, and so you're welcome to re- uh, watch that video as well. You can print off the article, and, of course, you can share it with your friends. This would make an excellent Uh, small group discussion, but every disciple-maker needs to understand there is a reason that a person is not self-disclosing, and the reason that I'm addressing in this podcast is they want to know, are you a trustworthy disciple-maker? Now, it should not be a surprise that a counselee would withhold information from their counsellor. Of course, it leaves the counselor at a significant disadvantage for helping the person when the counselee does not disclose all the facts, but I want you to address the log in your eye and not the speck. It would be easy to say, well, they're just not open, and they're not honest, and they're not transparent. Now, there could be some truth there, and there's some things to explore there, And the burden of honesty is definitely on the counselee's shoulders, but there is an equal, albeit different, burden on the counsellors. Are they able, are you able, to steward the counselee's truth? Now the significant issue with professional counseling, what I mean by professional counseling, I'm talking about high-end, formalized biblical counselor. I'm talking about the person at the end of the hall at your church building, the guy or the gal that you go to to meet for counseling, or maybe it's a para ministry organization to where there's a guy or a the gal there that you meet with for what I'm calling your professional counseling. The significant issue with that type of counseling is that it is an artificial context for temporary relationships. Now think about what that means. An artificial context for temporary relationships is asking a stranger to be self-revealing with another stranger. And though some counselees may withhold the truth because they are devious and they do not want the truth to come out, there's a legitimate case that can be made for other counselees who do want to tell the truth. Their problem is they are afraid to do so. Withholding truth is not always about deception and diversions. Sometimes it's about trust, hope, faith in their counselor. Are you a trustworthy disciple-maker? Maybe a counselee would say it like this, I want to trust my counselor with the truth, but I'm not sure it is wise to be so revealing at this juncture. Now, let me give you two illustrations to clarify what I am saying. The first illustration is the hurting teenager. The second illustration, which is really different, but it communicates the same idea, is the hurting spouse. A teenager comes to you seeking help. You're an adult, and he is not. He has surmised that you have talked with his parents, and he more than likely is correct in his assumption, and there is nothing wrong with that. I hope you have talked with the parents and that they are part of the process since he is a teenager. The conflict in his mind is that he genuinely wants your help. But he does not know if he can trust you with all that he wants to say. Now, I want to give you a sample list of some of the conflicting questions that may be going on in his head. Like, the first question is, are you on my parents' side? Meaning, you're not on mine. Can you see why that could create tentativeness or inhibition uh, with a teenager, a counselee from opening up? Or... Will you act like my dad by shutting me down? Or do you have sympathy for my side of the story? Will you scold me? Do you have the ability to navigate through the layers of miscommunication in our family? Meaning, you're not just going to address the micro aspects of this counseling case, meaning you're not going to just address my heart and my behavior and my life, but you're going to look at it from a macro view as well and see some of the shaping influences that have been going on for more than a decade that have, uh, they're, they're somewhat causal in this. Do you have the ability to navigate the layers of miscommunication? I mean, he is vetting you to see if you've got the skill. If you got the game to be able to help him. Because again, the question still remains, well, one, can I trust you with my stuff? And two, are you able to walk me through it? These are legitimate reasons as to why a person would not be transparent. Are you going to beat me over the head with the Bible? Meaning you're going to pull them Bible bullets out too quickly. And then finally, will you provide me with wisdom from God or the same old cliches that most christians use i've been down this path before and i'm going to get one I'm get one bible verse and call me in the morning or are you going to provide me with wisdom from god these questions are valid and every counselor every disciple maker should be aware of them asking a person to level with you is easy as pie to expect hard to deliver the counselee is giving you something personal He's giving you his treasure, which makes him vulnerable to you. And so you must steward their vulnerabilities, which means you cannot fall into the ditches of cowardice, you're afraid to speak the truth, or foolishness, you say the wrong thing at at the wrong time. Now there's other ditches in this road, but there's two of them. You're afraid to disciple, well, fear of man, or you communicate the wrong thing at the wrong time. That's the hurting teenager. Now, here's another scenario, a bit different, the hurting spouse. One of the most challenging counseling situations is when you're meeting with a spouse of a broken marriage, one spouse in a broken marriage. The courage and compassion it takes for the teenager goes to a whole other level with this counseling opportunity. The counselor is walking on a tightrope. Here it is. You believe what the person is telling you you know there is another side to the story. Now, you've got to build trust in that relationship. You've got to create a context of grace to where this person trusts you, they are willing to open up to you. This is different from the teenager. As you navigate the tightrope, you want to release the counselee from any tentativeness or inhibition that would keep them from speaking openly from their perspective. Now, the novice counselor what they will do, they will oversteer the car by over-communicating how much they believe the person. They are full-on me-too movement. But then the careless counselor would give the sense that they don't believe the person. The wise counselor will listen, will learn, will discern what the truth is according to this person. He would not communicate his disbelief in the person while letting them know that he must learn the whole matter. And within these two biblical aims of believing what they are saying, but knowing that there is another perspective, he will craft what he needs to say that ensures belief and builds trust again while, while leaving the door open for more data gathering. Not every counselor can operate at this level of competency and that's okay. Everybody cannot do this. Every Christian cannot be an excellent teacher, preacher, singer, counselor. We all have our different gifts, but what's important here, and my question that I want you to reflect on, are you a trustworthy disciple-maker? This has more complexity than what it appears to have on the surface, because when you're navigating this hurting teen, in order to be a trustworthy disciple maker, you have to understand some of the conflicting questions that are going on inside his head. And then when you are helping a hurting spouse, where you're only getting one side of the story, there has to be a level of competency to be able to build the trust with this individual while also walking that tightrope knowing that there's another perspective that's coming your way soon. This is for competent counselors. Again, no slight on any individual. I think from my view, it's it's God's mercy to all of us for us to be able to self-assess and to see if we can operate at this level. Obviously, the weight is on the counselor, to communicate compassion and competence at the same time. If he does this well, it will likely release the tentative soul from withholding all the facts about their problems. They will want to open up. They will not be inhibited because there is resident compassion and resident competence with this person. Counseling is about trust, and it goes both ways. Counselors need to lead counselees to more transparency, and then counselees need to know that they are they are safe with the individual. A counselee wants a counsellor who, who can hear and understand and counsel wisely. Carelessness and inconsiderateness will shut down the vulnerable counselee quickly. The counsellor knows that he must lead them slowly. Part of his strategy is to incrementally draw them out, which is dependent on the trust that grows before them, uh, grows between them, rather. Parenting is an excellent analogy of this issue. You don't say all that you know to a child, but you wait. You build trust, but you do more than that. You assess the kid's competence And then you do more than that. You speak according to their ability to receive what you have to say. And counseling is very similar to this. You wait. You be very patient. You build this relational bridge. You assess the individual's competence because all counselees are not made equally. And then you speak according to their ability to receive what you have to say. Patience is one of the most valuable traits Of a competent counselor. You must wait while weighing the appropriateness of what you need to convey. And the big issue here to be a trustworthy disciple maker, I mean big issue in addition to everything else I've said, is building that relational bridge. You see, part of the problem with releasing or withholding the truth is that counseling is an artificial context for accomplishing intense relational goals. Again, I talked about this earlier, stranger on stranger. This is not our normal world. A counseling context is not a normal world. There is a difference between doing discipleship in a family, in a friendship, in a coffee shop, a church setting versus the counseling office. For example, let me illustrate. In a local church, you have the time and context You have different times in different contexts. I mean, every time and context with an individual in a local church is not counseling. You're cooking out on the grill. You're going to dinner together. You're going to a baseball game. You're going shopping. You're texting. You're doing all sorts of things. You're worshiping on Sunday morning. In a local church, you have time and context to build relationally with a person where you can develop and secure their trust over months even years, the counselor does not have this luxury of time or context. There is rarely a pre-existing trust built into the relationship unless the counselor and counselee know each other. Initially, it is only the counselor's reputation. That is the only thing that the counselee has to run with to determine how far they should go with truth-telling. I mean, can you see why it would be appealing to withhold the truth initially when you meet in an artificial context called a counseling office. Now, this reality is, is part of why my counseling sessions were two hours back when I did counseling. I stopped doing counseling in 2015. Our ministry had grown to such a degree that I had two full-time jobs. I was training, speaking, writing, our school, I was doing that, which is basically leadership development. And then I was also counseling. That's what I mean by having two full-time jobs. And so in 2015, I stopped counseling. But up to that point, I mean, historically, for years, I'm talking decades, it would be exceptional for me to meet with anyone for less than two hours. I mean, sometimes people had things they had to go to. We'd meet for an hour, but that was an anomaly. I always met with two hours. In fact, I just had a session with someone today, and it was two hours. I had one last week with another couple, a leadership couple that I was meeting with, and it was two hours as well. I knew that I was working from a disadvantage because I didn't know the person, and they didn't know me. And so I knew that they would be they would be the temptation, a positive temptation, to withhold truth Because we were strangers. And so I needed time to build a relational bridge to carry truth over, which is an essential element when strangers meet. And that is why my counseling sessions historically have always been two hours. Now, I'm not throwing shade on those of you who meet for 55 minutes or whatever. I mean, you have your reasons and you have your methods that work for you, But for me, I needed the two hours because this idea of building relationally and building trust in the relationship and creating a context of grace where a person just wants to open up. I mean, they want to be transparent. They want to be honest. That takes a lot of work to do. And that's why I would meet for two hours. The irony here is that I would withhold the truth. Sometimes, I mean, it works both ways. The counselee is withholding the truth because they're not sure, they're vetting you. But you also withhold the truth too because you don't want to shut them down. I mean, even Jesus felt the tension about speaking the truth or withholding the truth. He knew that his friends were not where they needed to be to process everything he knew. And so Jesus chose the incremental path to lead them. Now, I want you really to think about the irony here. You want them to open up. They are tentative about communicating the truth to you. Your counselee tentative about communicating the truth to you. And you use a similar strategy. You're tentative about communicating the truth to them because you want to carefully build a relational bridge. Again, Jesus chose this incremental path of truth-telling. He was a master at stewarding his friends along. While being cautious about what he said to them and when he said it, Jesus was not a liar. He was wise. He wanted to make sure those within his care were capable enough to handle the more profound things of the Lord. And so here you are withholding truth too. This kind of wisdom boils down to the motive of your heart. You're not lying. But you're not saying everything that you know. If you choose to withhold the truth from others, the way that you assess that is by asking yourself the why question. The why question is, why do you withhold the truth from this person? Now, that's the primary question. Here are some supplemental questions that will help you to unpack that primary motive question. For example, would it benefit them now or later to know what you're thinking? This is a wisdom issue. You don't want to pull the trigger too soon. You remember earlier I was talking about the teenager when he was asking the question you know, about your Bible bullets. Are you going to pull your Bible bullets out too soon? You don't want to do that. Again, the more important issue is to build the trust in the relationship, to build the relationship. And so would it benefit them now or later to know what you're thinking? Sometimes it's better to, better to hold them than to communicate what you're thinking. Here's another question, what is a disadvantage or if you speak the truth too soon? Well, I mean, you could scare them off, you could shut them down. Uh, You could tick them off because they don't know who you are. Let's, Let's say that you confronted them with something that they needed to be confronted with, but you did not build the relational bridge. That's a huge disadvantage. Is your motive redemptive or sinister? Meaning, do you have their best interest in view? And then finally, are you afraid to speak the truth? Now, this is, another, this is another turn on this addressing motive. And what I'm talking about here is you're withholding what you need to say. It's not about them. It's actually about you. You're scared, to be honest with them. And you may be surprised, maybe not, I don't know, how many disciple-makers are scared to speak the truth. We tend to, we tend to err on one, one or two sides. We're either afraid to say the truth, fear of man, or we're harsh and unkind about it. But if your heart's desire is to be honest and transparent, but you know you have to be wise in building the necessary trust that they need to open up to you, well, then you're in a good spot. If you desire to help the person, but you know that slowing down and building relationship relationally is the wiser move, then I suggest that you refrain from saying too much too soon. And again, that's the irony. In this sense, you are you're like mm-hmm. them. You're being very cautious. And the slow mode typically is the better mode until the relationship is in a better place. The folks who come to you want your help. Now, perhaps they have not seen a working model of relationship building in discipleship context. They only know hurt from those who have counseled them in the past. It's not unusual to experience hurt or harshness from a caregiver because the caregiver, the disciple maker, has made some of the mistakes that I'm addressing here in this podcast. Maybe you're one of the folks on the painful end of a counseling season. And so your goals are, to, are three. There are three relational goals to, to lead this person to a place of self-disclosure, transparency, honesty, so you can address the heart of the issues. It's so your three relationship goals are compassion, competence, and courage as you listen to them. They need to know that you're for them, You want to know their story, their perspective, their experience. I'm not suggesting that you believe everything they tell you. Listening with competence requires a kind of courage that does not convey judgment or naivete. Jesus could listen to a person without falling into the trap of gullibility. Still yet, nobody within his sphere would say that they felt a lack of care for him. And so he had compassion, competence, and courage working for him. Biblical soul care lives somewhere between entering into their suffering and and not compromising your ability to see clearly into the issues. And the only way for you to pull this off is for God to be the controlling emphasis in your life. If God is not stabilizing you, there will be a strong pull into the counselee's drama or a desire to be impatient with them. Those are your two ditches. You'll just fall into gullibility, or you'll just be impatient and unkind to them. Too many counselors entangle themselves in what's happening on the horizontal plane between them and the counselee. They do this because of a lack of stability in their relationship with God. To be free from the pull of a person's story means the Lord has to have more power over you than what they are saying to you. Now, there are three types of counselors who fall into this empathetic trap, and I'll close the podcast by identifying these three types of counselors who really muck up counseling and and screw up the trust relationship because they don't have these three relational goals. Compassion, competence, and courage, they tend to err on one side or the other. One is victim counselors, and what I mean by that, you're the victim. You're the counselor who's a victim. If you have not worked through the major disappointments in your life, you may map those experiences over the person you're counseling. I see this regularly with those who care for abuse victims. The counselor was a victim of something, and the baggage of their past triggers them when they are caring for those in similar situations. They have yet to learn how to separate their history from the person in front of them. Rather than using what happened to them redemptively, it clouds their judgment. Thus, those three relational goals of compassion, courage, and competence, uh, they do not happen fully on all three points. Their lack of stability in God propels them into the vortex of the other person's pain. And so there are counselors who haven't worked through their own victimness. And then another kind of counselor that messes this up is the angry counselor. A caregiver can be angry for many reasons. Perhaps it's from their horrible experiences. Maybe their victimization. Maybe they're just angry people. But either way, they're not under God's management. Again, the key idea to do counseling, well, you have to be stabilized in God. Or you will be managed by the person that you are talking to, listening to. And then number three is the novice counselor. It could be that the counselor does not have the experience or the skill set to counsel at this level. It happens. Their inexperience makes them naive and gullible. Perhaps they are not skilled to counsel formally, or they do not have the gift mix for this type of work. Every Christian with a burden to counsel is not necessarily good at it. The novice counselor will not have God's clarity or God's wisdom on the situation, which will Lead them to ultimately hurt their counselees. The title of this podcast is Every Person Who Withholds the Truth Is Not Lying. I have several call to action questions that you're welcome to read. They're at the bottom of of this podcast, this article that I'm sharing with you. Our content is free. It is brought to you by those who underwrite our ministry, those who uh, support our ministry. Quentin, by the way, thank you so much for becoming a monthly member. I'm so appreciative that you're helping us to uh, give our content away. And so I would appeal to you to read uh, these call-to-action questions and and work through those, and it would be great if you could work through them with with someone uh, that's near to you and would be able to speak into your life. But the big idea, are you a trustworthy counselor? Do you know how to create these contexts of grace that lead people to open up and be transparent to you? And then once they're transparent with you, You have the competency to actually lead them through whatever their issues may be. As always, if you want to talk to us about any of our content or maybe another matter that's on your mind, you're welcome to do that. Quentin and others, uh, they help us uh, by providing a free community forum where you can chat with us about this idea here or something else. Thank you so much for listening.